I've got like a little personal testimony while we're waiting for Bash. He's just fixing something on the technical side over there. The Facebook feed and YouTube feed has gone down. But um, on Monday, uh, I basically tore my hip flexor. Does anyone know what a hip flexor is? Uh, <laughs> no, you don't. Well, the hip flexor is like one of the major muscles in your, in your body because it's these ones over here that connect your leg to your core, and it goes right around to the buttocks, and it comes right up into, your, into the side, okay? So it is the most stabilizing, it's the biggest stabilizing muscle between the legs and the torso. So it's a major muscle, and what happened was, I forgot that I'm almost 50, and I went running and sprinting, okay? So I did a workout, and then I thought, okay, let me get a little bit fit, because I'm starting to smuggle donuts here again, you know? And uh, I thought, let me go and do some high intense training. And I didn't warm up properly, I don't think, because I had done top body, a little bit of this and that, and I started sprinting from lamppost to lamppost, jogging, sprinting, jogging. And I thought, yes, man, I can still do this. So cool. And then I got into the car the next day. Everything was fine. Actually, it was Saturday. It was Saturday. Guys, oh, sorry. Came to church Sunday. Everything was fine. Monday, we went to the shop, sat in the car for a little bit long like this. I don't know, because, you know, the car is quite small. And... Uh, as I got out after the drive, I stepped out onto my left leg and I felt my hip, hip flexor pop. And it actually goes like that. It's like a thud. I promise you, it felt like, you know, when something just hanging on, it was like the whole leg was just felt like it's hanging. I couldn't even walk, guys. I had to, for two days, I was on a, I was on a uh, what do you call these granny taxis, these walker things? Granny taxis. Yeah. <laughs> It was like bad. It was bad. I couldn't sleep because, you know, as you, fall, as you fall asleep, you just move and then the, the pain tweaks and then it shoots down your leg. I literally, it was terrible. It was horrifying. And um, on the third day, I said to my wife, I said, you know what? I'm not accepting this. They say on the internet, they say a hip flexor tear, grade two or three means it's a grade two or three if you can't walk. So it's quite serious. But take six weeks before you'll walk properly. Now let me tell you something, guys. You know what I did? I got fed up and I just went to my prayer area and I said, Lord, I am now, I see the hip of Jesus in my hip. I see the hip of Jesus in my hip. And I promise you, literally after half an hour, I felt the whole left side of my body transforming. And I put the walker to the side. I still sent, it, I sent a picture to Gerald, I think it was, a video of my wife laughing at me coming down the passage with a walker because she thought it was hilarious. But anyway, there's lots of love in this relationship, eh? <laughs> lots of mercy. But anyway, so I was supposed to meet with Gerald and the, and the guys, and I was like, guys, I can't. But that was, that was day two. Day three, I got up. I said, Holy Spirit, I will not accept this. I will not accept this. Guys, within... I think it was four or five hours, my healing got stronger and stronger. I just kept it. Jesus got a hairy hip because I saw a hairy hip. <laughs> Weird. I don't know why. But after seeing this hairy hip in my hip, I actually felt all the sinew and all the muscles starting to like gently move and like they were mending, you know. And immediately, you asked my wife, I literally could not walk, guys. I couldn't get in and out of the car. She had to put my socks and shoes on. You know what that feels like when somebody else has to put your socks and shoes on? It's awesome. <laughs> I said, we've got, to make a, we've got to make a habit of this. This feels so good. I feel like a king. 
you know? But let me tell you something. God's healing is real. Amen. Don't accept anything less, guys. I promise you. We're not settling for stuff here. Amen? We are reaching out for everything that Jesus died for. Amen. Amen. Give him a round of applause. Come on. All glory to God. So, we are doing kingdom resolutions. And before we jump into this, we're just going to quickly give a recap uh, and just touch on two, two little important features here from last week and the week before. And that is kingdom resolutions is different to worldly resolutions, as we have, we've made the point. And that is that there's no use in us trying to take the new year on and try and change ourselves. We don't have the power to do that. We need to lean on the power of grace, God's ability. Turn to the person next to you and say, God's ability. That's what grace is. God's ability. That means His ability, His power to change you. Amen? Will you stop and think for a moment? If you could do it by yourself, He wouldn't have had to send Jesus. Amen? Because when He came, He didn't just come to deal with sin. He came to deal with all brokenness. Whether it's mental, physical, spiritual, behavior. Are you with me, folks? So we couldn't do it, so he had to send his son, the second Adam, to come and redeem us. Amen? From the place of the first Adam. So now, for us to run out in a shallow, worldly way or manner to set resolutions to make ourselves feel valuable, to make ourselves feel successful, we know that it's dangerous. Somebody asked the question last week, so does that mean as a Christian I'm not allowed to set goals? Of course you're allowed to set goals. But we want to set goals internally that will eventually cause us to bump into the external ones. Amen? Do you know it's so beautiful to walk with God and His promises? Because you've got to take the promise. This is how it works with God. You don't have to make sure of anything of how to get there and bump into the promise. That's His job. You've got to believe the promise. You take the promise. You put the promise in your heart. You learn how to trust Him and believe it. And guess what? He places you in the position where you just bumping into the thing unconsciously. That's grace. Amen? Amen. That's grace. Don't get hung up on how it's going to happen, what it looks like. Your job is to believe. Turn to the person next to you and say, believe. Believe. Okay? So, that was number one. You're allowed to set goals, but there's no use you setting goals in your life that your heart is limiting you from getting. Guard your heart above all else, Proverbs 4.23 says. Guard it. Why? Because out of your heart flows forth limitations. There's beliefs about yourself. There's beliefs about God. There's beliefs about all different things that you've experienced in life that are limiting you from stepping into that promise. Okay? So it doesn't make sense that you set the goals on the outside, but you don't yourself put in an environment, uh, an environment transformation. Are you with me? The heart has to be transformed so that it can literally reach out and receive what Christ has done. So like we gave example, you can try and set a goal to save money, but if you don't know how, if you haven't circumcised your heart from the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, you're going to find it extremely difficult to save money. Yep. Hello? Until, you know, to walk in the wisdom of God, until you cut those three things from your life, you are not going to be wise. That's just it. Your heart's going to make decisions for you based on the wrong stuff. Okay? So turn to the person next to you and say, I am wise. 
I'm cutting it right now. Take your hand and do this. Say, I'm cutting the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I'm cutting it right off my heart right now by the power of God's grace. Amen? Amen. Big grace scissors. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So we're going to kick off this morning. We're talking more about how this works in the heart. What does this repentance look like? What does it, what does it mean to, to line your heart up with God's goodness and God's finished work? What does it actually look like in a Christian's life? Yeah. Amen. And one thing, sorry, I need to, to bring out as well from last week is that this is not about you going on a witch hunt into your heart to see what's wrong with you. We, the, the patterns in your life are the indicator, okay? You'll know that there's certain patterns. You'll recognize certain thought patterns, behavior patterns that are reoccurring, that are blocking you from moving into certain things in your life, sabotaging opportunities. You can see those things. You don't have to go into your heart today and go, okay, Lord, show me that dirty, ugly thing that's inside of me. No, that's not, our, that's not what we're saying. Amen? You must, you must just have the courage to stop and see that thing that is, remember Tasso said last week, I loved it, he said that, that record that just keeps playing and playing and playing. Amen? Mm -hmm. Just stop and have the courage to ask God how to take the needle off of that LP. Because yeah. it's been playing for a long time, it's long play. You know what I'm saying? Amen? Amen. Are you guys ready? Are your hearts open? Are you, are you, do you have courage to go in there and see how it works inside there? A lot of people don't like to go in there, but there's nothing to be scared of. Yeah. Amen? 100%. Amen. Amen. Oh, if you guys yeah, wanna... It just says that while we, we don't need to be scared because underneath all the muck, you'll see the, in, in the book of 1 Peter, it says there's the hidden man of the heart. Amen. In other words, if you drill, you'll definitely come up with a new you, who you are in Christ. And uh, this is definitely not a witch hunt. Because every day, what we're supposed to be doing is looking to Him and experiencing His completeness, His fullness, you know. And then obviously that's where the challenges are going to come up. Yeah. Because suddenly I have to embrace a reality that I'm not familiar with. I'm familiar with my reality. In other words, the way I sense myself. Now this, and this is very important. I need to focus on him. So as I focus on his goodness, as I focus that he's got the life and I enter into him and I keep experiencing him, then things will come up. Then I deal with those things. If you deal with anything, unless you... It's, it's been exposed because of who you are in Christ, because you're embracing your new identity, you can actually destroy yourself. I think Bash brought it out very well, that you start taking out the weeds and, um, and the, uh, what's it, the wheat and the tares at the same time. You see? So it's never designed for you, you know, to go back and find out what has been happening when you were, you know, in your mom's womb, the first trimester, second or third, or when you were this, you know, because they do that. Now, there's no need for it, okay? Unless there is something, I promise you, that the Holy Spirit needs to show you for you to put off that has been affecting while you are experiencing yourself in Christ. That's the key. 
The key is I need to remember that daily I need, because of the, the new me, I'm a new creation in Christ, Daily, I need to spend time in his presence, which is perfection, which is completeness, which is soundness. See, all of those things are found in him. And we need to enter into him and make it our reality. And that's why, how do I activate that when I go into my heart? I need to say to myself, what does it look like to be in Christ? See, the minute you say that, you're not trying to attain it. You're not trying through a, 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 some kind of a performance to get there. What you are saying is, when you say, what does it look like and what does it feel like to be in him? You're entering a state. Yeah. A state of who you are in Christ. See, you are not in this process of becoming you are basically entering into being who you are in him. Because remember, always remember, time is what we experience here. God is calling us into eternity where there is no time. You see? And when we get out and enter into him, we are experiencing the resurrection power, his resurrection life, his resurrection peace, his resurrection abundance. We are experiencing it and then we bring it into time, into different aspects of our lives. But we need to experience him. So the most important thing is whenever you deal with anything, I mean, I cannot emphasize this as strong as I need to. You know, we can only do it when we start entering into him. And then you will see if there are beliefs that you need to remove, you know, um, or, or motives like we, we heard today uh, with, this, with the stewardship message, motives. Um, it can be desires that we have connected pleasures to that bring destruction into our lives. Okay. And. What we do continuously, we've got this mirror. And it's the perfect law of liberty. And the law is a governing, when the Bible talks about a law, there's different obviously words, but it's a, a governing principle. So in Christ, we have the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So when I enter into him, there is this governing principle that I'm going to experience his life. I'm going to experience the Spirit of God, yes. isn't it? That's, right. That's what it says there in Romans um, 8 and verse 2. So we need to move daily. Now, to do that, each one of us has been called by Jesus to do that. Yeah. When you accept the call, then you become the church. You see... We can be in this congregation and we call it church. But in here, only those who have accepted the call and they are willing to put themselves to death so that they can experience his life, those are the ones that are really making the journey. Yes, we all say, we all in the body of Christ, but the called out ones is the ones who are taking the step to sanctify themselves, to set themselves apart. Yeah. 
because they know that they've died to Christ. You've died to your memories. You've died to your accomplishments. You've died to your failures. You're dead. So God is calling us, come and experience yourself in me. And once you are experiencing yourself in him, you are putting a new pair of glasses where you see life very differently. And they're not rose, by the way. Okay? No. They are based on the tint of the way he sees life. So, you know, just, just to put it into, into context, what we're saying here, okay, that we need to experience, in other words, we need to bring ourselves first to experience Christ in us. Only then can we experience the grace of God. The grace of God can't be experienced prior to that. It has to become a reality inside my heart. And remember, when we use the word believe, I don't know what you guys think. I don't know what my definition is, but the definition that the Bible gives is when internally, your, whatever you've heard in your mind and you've renewed it, now you've taken it down into your heart, you made it real, and now your mind and your heart are in synchronicity. They're in alignment. So it's not just about, yes, so we accept what you say. Therefore, we believe it. We actually have convinced our minds about this thing. Okay? So obviously we believe it. No, that's not believing. Yes, you've been convinced intellectually. And you decided to go with it. But until you make it, you enter the state. The state. You know, sometimes you see those guys with the taxes and you get angry. You've entered a state. Okay? <laughs> That's exactly what we're talking about. It's not the free state. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> now, why? Because remember, we are going to, um, we're going to encounter insurmountable odds. I tell you, what we're going to face is beyond what we can imagine. And we need his power. And that's why I read last week. Sorry, I'm taking a bit long. I don't know yeah, why. My introduction seems to be. <laughs> anyway, in, in the book of uh, Judges chapter 6, I mean, remember with the Midianites and uh, who were the other guys? Amalekites. Okay, those guys. They came there and, uh, and uh, they, they continuously were harassing them. But you see, Gideon and the tribes of Israel had become so weak because they didn't spend time with God. They didn't replace all of those external things, yeah, that they connected now and they made it their source. So now they had to repent and make God the source. And this is the key here. Everything that we're talking about here practical is to make God your source. See? Because the world system has taught us that the bank account is your provision. That's what they taught us. So every time now you have a need and a need comes, I want supply. 
I've got this need. Where do you go? Immediately, you've been programmed to go see your bank account. If the bank account hasn't got money, you feel, well, I need to go work more and produce more to put more money into that bank account. See, so that connection of provision is not God. Who is it? It's my bank account. It's part of the will system. You see? So when I get into my heart and I call, yes, Jesus, you my provision, guess what's going to come up? No. I'm not your provision. You don't trust me as your provision because you would see me full of money. But you don't see me full of money inside of you. You see the bank account. So be honest. Be brutally honest. Who is your source? Okay? And I want you now to repent. I want you to change your mind about this. And then start making disconnections with the world by making connections with me. And then this abundance that you have inside of you, now you'll understand the scripture, God will supply my needs. Not according to my education. Not according to my earning potential. Not according to my work ethic. They're all good, by the way. Not according to my integrity. That's also very good. But he doesn't supply it according to that. According to his riches. What are his riches? His righteousness. His righteousness is his riches. To feel right about himself because he's got all of the life of God. When you enter into him, you will be able to see the same thing. Come on. This is good. I'll see the life of God inside of me. So that means I'm wealthy. So I'm changing also my definitions. My definition of success is not certain outcomes in my life. That's the will system. My definition is how I'm experiencing his fullness in me. And I can get into situations that there is lack, but I'm still full. I can get into situations where there's abundance, but I'm still full of him. Why? Because he is my source. Do you see that? And in any situation, although externally it might look very bleak internally you have hope you have energy because you've connected to him that's why you're going to take the next step if you were looking externally you would never take the step you would be crying to god come and do something you see so this is what we're talking about practically here when we go into our hearts and he becomes our connection So to make that connection doesn't happen just because you come to church or you get up and you read your Bible every day, your scriptures. Hey, hey, do you have relationships like that? Do Do you connect with people that way? No, you don't. So why are we so deceived that we're thinking we're going to connect with God like that? No, I've got to make a connection that gives me an emotion. Because emotion is the reciprocation of that I've connected. Okay? So that's what I need to do with this new me who is in Jesus. Because when I see the life of God, I see 
His abundance, His prosperity. Uh, and remember, we're talking about peace. Until you get there, I don't know what peace you're experiencing or peace of what I'm If it's not coming from that position, you are experiencing a lie. And you're in peace, but it's a lie. It has to come as a, because remember, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that is produced because I connect to Him. That's why, that's why you can't fake the fruits. There's a, there's, a, there's a message, guys. Don't fake the fruit. Don't fake the fruits. You guys okay? It's a beautiful? bit radical, eh? You know, we, we were talking uh, yesterday because we, we had like a men's breakfast thing there in Edenvale. We've been invited to come and speak at the group, you know. And uh, we were taking them through the, the heart, you know, spirit, soul, body, our mind, our will, our emotions. You know, you guys know that diagram well, right? And I promise you, these guys were gobsmacked. They were like, what? Right? And, you know, it, it's like I was, I was watching their reaction. Because, I mean, we've done it how many times a year for I don't know how long, you know. But I was watching their reaction, and it, it literally flipped their minds. They were like, I have been looking at life completely wrong. Like, even as a believer, I've been looking at life completely wrong, you know. And, and like you were saying, you know, the insurmountable pressure with the message of the gospel is that, you know, this is not a small thing. This is fundamentally life-changing. It, it is something that if you choose to do, right, it, it's going against everything you've known. What you've known about God, what you've known about yourself, what you've known about people, what you've known about creation and history and, you know, all this sort of stuff. It, it's, it's at that level. But as a believer, it's not just about you unplugging. Like Tessa was talking about, it's not just like, oh, no, I'm just going to stop doing all these things. No help, because all the things are coming from somewhere, you know. And it's about plugging into Christ. You know, last week we met, and the emphasis I think that we all had this morning was about that witch hunt. Because whether you've heard the gospel or not, even carnal people, unsaved people, are in a witch hunt to try and become better. New year, new me. I'm turning over a new leaf, you know. I used to tell my mom when I was young, always, she always used to laugh. She was like, Mom, I'm turning a new leaf. You know, I'm stopping all my, my bad things. In the beginning, she was like, wow, that's great, son. And then Whenever I said that, my mom said, are you still smoking that stuff? <laughs> so turn leaves in the so backyard. So she gave it up, man. Yes, see. <laughs> but, you know, you're turning a new leaf. Oh, mom, I'm leaving it behind. And the first few times, she's like, that's good, my boy. Well done. We get to the 50th time, she's like, okay, that's nice. Do the dishes, you know, sort of thing. But every single part of our lives, you know, it's as a believer, if your mindset is not, I need to take, if you don't have the mindset of saying, I need to take God's definition on this, I need to take his perspective, I need to take his nature on whatever I want to make a decision on, guys, you're not in this state that Tessa's talking about. You know, when we did the series, was it, I think last year sometime, or maybe we did The Heart or something. You know, and you went into Romans, and, and you were talking about how all of God's invisible attributes are evident in creation, right? And I think you spent about 75,000 minutes explaining that if we don't believe that everything was created, that you came from a big bang and you know all that stuff, coming into walking 
in life with God is going to be near impossible for you. Let me explain why. You see, God being the all-knowing, all-wisdom, all-powerful, the loving, merciful, heavenly Father that He is, right? All-sufficient God. When He created everything, He created it perfectly. And the amazing thing about His creation is that it only works well when it's used the way He created it. That applies to you and I as well. Are you with me? Now, we, as, we are still operating the way that we were created. Otherwise, we'd just be like malfunctioning robots or whatever, right? But the difference is, is that the creation was supposed to be working being plugged in to Christ. Adam unplugged, and since Adam, we've been plugged into the world, right? So this process now is you unplugging, you unplugging. You know, a lot of people, they experience peace when a circumstance changes. You know what they do? They say, oh, I've got peace. The Holy Spirit is amazing. You know, it's like something I've never experienced before. Okay, so it's a new version of bad. Is that what you're saying? It's a version of bad that you don't know? Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? But the thing is this now is that you, in your heart, your, your, the depth of who you are, when you stop looking for it to be what you want externally and you say, Lord, right now in this moment, I'm connecting with you on this. I want your nature. I want your definition. I want your perspective on this thing, you know? And the reason that we don't do that is because we, we feel the tension here. And we think that if this thing just comes right, right? If it just comes right, we'll be okay. But how do we change it? We change the external. We don't do what you were saying where, let's go to the word. What is the image we've been given? Let's renew that mind and let's now change that foundation. Let's drill through all the stuff so we can get to it. Are you guys with me? So when we, we, we're talking about, okay, walking with God, and man, yesterday we had some very interesting encounters. It made me very upset, so I'm not going to go into it again, but... <laughs> Every single person, we, you know, we were just, <laughs> Monet's laughing, he was there, yeah. <laughs> Every single person, uh, and even believers today, guys, I'm talking like 99%, you know. It's never about, let me connect with God. Let me know God. It's just about, how can God be that plaster to fix my life? Right? And this is why you have 30,000 denominations. This is why you have all these 10 steps, 5 ways 50,000 manipulations, you know, whatever it is. And what happens is, is that when you get to a relationship level and you realize, wait a minute, the nature of this person, right, is what is inside of me. If you are reborn, like we've explained, you are a new creation, right? And like you mentioned in Peter, you know, the drilling down where we are going through all this stuff now and we got to bring that person up here. You know, we got to, we got to think like that person. we got to feel like that person because that person now is in harmony with Jesus, right? Now this is, it's radical because when you've known a life your entire life, you are reborn. You become a baby. You're starting from the ground up and you're going to redefine everything according to him, right? Now that sounds very task-oriented, but the process of it is plugging into him, plugging into him, plugging into him. And as we are experiencing more and more, and look, Pastor Didi's in the hot seat this morning, so we'll go over there now. When I say hot seat, because I was there last week, right? Oh, by the way, you guys, 
You, you, you guys are so, are so loving, man. Shame. Everyone came up to me afterwards. They're like, Pastor Bash, are you okay? You know, it's like, wow, thank you so much, you know, for opening your heart. Listen, we love you guys, right? And we need to show you guys that what we are teaching you, we are applying. And we've been applying. And we still apply every day. This is going to happen until we're with the Lord. Are you with me? Because we are being renewed every single day, right? So it seems like a task. It seems like all these things. But here's the thing. A task, right? A task for you is actually killing you. You know why? Because you get satisfied with doing things. Are you with me? The only thing that's going to give you life is like what you said when you went into the prayer room. And you're like, Lord, I'm connecting with you right now. I need your perspective. I need your nature. I need your health. I need your view on everything, right? Same like with you, where we every day where we connect with Jesus and we are now saying, okay, Lord, we are going to align with you. Whatever it is I've accumulated, whatever it is I've defined, the process of dying to self is saying, okay, my mother said I must do it like this, right? And uh, Lord, I've been doing it like that my whole life, but the more I'm reading about you, the more I'm experiencing you, I'm seeing that's wrong. I'm laying it down. I'm changing it now in my heart. And the thing is this now, that's when, like you were talking about belief, you know, belief only comes in when that process takes place. Because now what's driving your life is different. You know, some people say, I believe in Jesus. Okay, what does that mean to you? I'm going to heaven. Great. So you believed, you're saved, you're a new creation, right? But now, you go one step further. If you believe in Jesus, are you a disciple? Yeah, I'm a disciple. Why? Because I'm a believer. No. You're only a disciple if you're doing life the way he does. You're only a disciple if you're at that level and you say, I knew this my whole life. I thought that was right. And no matter how much confidence I have in that, I know it's death. You're only a disciple when you go there and say, okay, Lord, I'm taking that out. I choose your way of life. Are you guys with me? So it's very important, guys, that we understand these mechanics because coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, right? Coming, I mean, uh, hacking the situations in your life and jumping from one chaos to the next, from one emotional high to the next, is not the Holy Spirit leading you, right? Finding peace and security and confidence in physical things or people or, or careers or whatever, it's not God leading you. Because the message in the word is that God wants you to have every confidence in him. God wants you to have every freedom in him. And you know what tends to happen a little while after that is that once that heart now, it starts turning and it's transforming. Man, it's heating up because, you know, it's, 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 that nature is now being transferred. That nature is uh, uh, um, getting bigger and bigger in that heart. Do you know what happens? Is that your life now starts looking like Jesus' life. You know how many believers today say, you must walk like Jesus walked? Okay, what, with his legs? I don't understand. What are you saying? No, do what he did. But here's the thing. They want you to do what Jesus did without having what he had. Hello? Hello. You want to go do what Jesus, do you think Jesus just woke up one day and said, right, task list today. Uh, open the blind eyes. Open the deaf ears. Uh, feed 5,000. Uh, oh, geez, I'm going to raise Lazarus today. Yeah, that's going to happen. No, that's tomorrow. I'm going to raise. Do you think he did that? Right? He himself emphasized that I do nothing 
that I don't see the Father do first, and I say nothing that he didn't say. Are you guys with me? Can you understand this principle of source, guys? Because now we realize that to this fruit, right? Once that heart now starts heating up and it starts turning to that golden nature of God, your entire life is automatic in line with that. You understand? So now when you see people, you don't just be like, geez, that guy's weird. No, you don't do that. You see people the way God sees them. When you're faced with a problem, you do not react in the same way that everyone reacts. Let me go make a plan. Let me... No, because now the nature inside of you is based in love. It's based, all your confidence, all your peace is based on your connection to a person. Are you with me? So when they come with the problems, then we just be like, okay, we accept it's a problem. But we're just going to listen. Because we know him. We know him. How are you going to be a Christian if you don't know him? No, but I've read the Bible 73,000 times. Fantastic. If your heart doesn't know him, you don't know him. Are you guys with me? Amen? Amen. I think these guys need a round of applause. Okay, Pastor, you need to tell us now. Do you need the moral support? Must we be here for you? Can we? I was going to tell everyone in the room, get your tissues ready. Okay. Because I asked him last week, I'm like, which one? Because, you know, we've, over the years, we've all got many, you know? He's like, no, I'm going with this one. I'm like, yeah. You're going for the heavy one. He's like, hey, what? We've got to do it, right? So, again, we, we told you guys, right? We're going to, every week, what we're going to do now is we're going we're gonna to speak about this. The, yeah, Tasso's, Tasso's next week. So, we're waiting to see which one he's going to bring out. The next, the following week. And then we have Dylan, and Dylan, yeah, yeah. But, um, but, but we told you we're going we're gonna to talk about this and we're going to bring it down to the basic principles, right? We said, and I'm re-emphasizing, we have, we have taught everything complete in this church. There shouldn't be an area that you're not sure about in the Bible. From creation to rapture to God's sovereignty to the Holy Spirit, the devil, righteousness, we got it all. But we said our focus this year is that every week, we're going to take you through the practical mechanics, the principles, so that when you walk out here, you're going to be able to apply it. Are you guys with me? Because if you're not applying it every day, it's of no help to you, right? Did you guys do the homework last week? Yes. I'm seeing nodding. Okay, good, right? Um, it's going to happen again today. As you're listening to this, Pastor Didi is going to break down like I did last week as well and how Pastor Tassa is going to do next week. So are you guys ready? Okay. You good? You sure? Before we go there, were, were there any questions from last week? Because I know there's going to be questions after this morning. Questions, comments, anything. Everybody's good? Praise the Oh, Sheldon, yes. Uh, we need on the mic. Yeah. Diz, can you give him yours? Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing with us last week. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to just get a little bit of perspective. Um, what you were saying doesn't mean... And if there are young people aspiring to careers and stuff, um, what happened to you was your reality based on what you experienced earlier in life. But that doesn't mean you can't become a professional person in a corporate environment and still live a perfectly healthy Christian life. So, so I'm, I'm just saying to young people, perspective, perspective, pastor, pastor, um, Bash was, was um, 
was describing his experience. It doesn't mean that we can't pursue careers and be successful and still be perfectly uh, healthy um, Christians. No, 100%. 100%. And guys, it's important. You must remember, um, Paul said, he said, listen, everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Right? So how your life looks and where it goes is between you and God. Just don't build it on your lack. Listen, I promise you, man, I was sitting next to people in corporate, and I, and I look at them, and I'm like, you know, even though they were sitting there, and, and they were doing it for the wrong reasons, I could just see the gift on them. And I'm like, man, you are wired for this place. Like, like seriously, like, I know I'm not. And I look at these people, and I'm just like, wow. I see, I see people in certain professions, and I'm just like, you know what? It takes a certain type of person to be there. Are you with me? And the principle is because God's created all of us uniquely. And where you're supposed to be going in life, you better make that decision with God. And every step that you take to go there, do it in His grace. Don't do it because you're redeeming your family or your mom said so or you want status and all this stuff. You're asking for trouble. God has created you uniquely, specifically, with specific gifts to benefit people across all areas of life. If God's called you to be a metro cop, if you've got the gift for it, do it. Don't take, dri- don't take bribes, though, please. Okay. Don't come by the window and say, no, I'm, hey, when I'm thirsty. No, we don't want to hear that. Give them the fine, okay? <laughs> Chicken licking. Are you guys with me? So to Sheldon's comment, guys, you've got to remember, we are talking about the motive. We are not talking about where you end up. God has to lead you there. Amen? God has to lead you there, but do the foundational things correctly. Establish your heart in peace. Amen. Pastor. Amen. Awesome. Thanks for that, Sheldon. We like it when there's participation. It's very cool. That means people are listening. So I'm going to share my testimony. And uh, mine is a little bit different to bash, well, a lot different, because I had a, I had a general sense of self that was based in shame. I carried an identity of shame my whole life. And I'll explain why. When I was in primary school, I was the leader of the pack. I was head boy. I was the best sportsman in um, many different uh, aspects. A friend of mine went past our old primary school the other day. And, you know, if you're head boy, you get put on the, I can't remember what you call it now, but anyway, it's like a plaque that they put on the school. And, uh, I mean, I was, in, I was in that school 30-something years ago, and all my cricket records my athletic records, my soccer achievements are still top. No one's broken them. And uh, so I was, man, primary school was the best years of my life because as head boy, the teachers loved me. The high schools were already trying to get me into their high school. I even went to one or two interviews at, other, at different high schools because they wanted me in their soccer team. They wanted this guy in the cricket team, you know. Um, so I, I was flying in primary school. But I grew up in a broken home where uh, my, my parents were all over the place. They were beautiful people, but they just, they never knew Jesus. They didn't know any better. They just repeated what they knew. And um, I actually got into high school and uh, things started to go really bad. And uh, I hooked up with some very dodgy people. Uh, and what happened was I started getting into a certain lifestyle, Okay. And I eventually landed up doing really stupid things. 
And um, at the age of 16, I landed up dancing in a strip group. Don't ask me how I got there, because that's just, we need about five weeks to explain that. But I landed up being 16 years old, not even allowed to go into nightclubs, and I was literally going in and dancing in nightclubs, underage, taking clothes off to get money. And I'd come back to school, and I was the man, because I had a thousand bucks a night. You're talking about 25 years ago, 30, 30, yes, how, how many years ago? Jeez, I haven't even worked it out. But anyway, so... I thought I was the man, guys. I had money. I had imported clothes. I was even, I just had like a bob hairstyle that they couldn't see. We, the bob was in those days, you know. And I'd shave it underneath, and then I'd gel it back. And after school, I'd just run my hair through the gel, and the hair would fall down like this. And the teachers didn't even pick up on it. I was like a mafia, okay? I had everything. I thought I was on top of the world. And then I started dating uh, a girl, and uh, by this time I was already sexually active. And what happened was I put my girlfriend pregnant. And I was still, I was only in grade 10 or grade 11. I don't, I don't know what the grades are nowadays, I don't know. Standards, grades, whatever. Uh, not standard eight, um, grade 11, yeah, one before matric, what's that? Is it? The one before, before matric? 11, okay. So I was writing end of year exams, and I get this note passed to me in school, I'm pregnant. So you can imagine I got straight A's for that exam. But what, to, what came set me up for a disaster. Because what happened was when the news got out, the school called me in, the heads of the, those days, they weren't like today, where they just let the girl and the guy, you know, carry on, walk around in school with a big pregnant stomach. Those days, you were shamed. So I was completely 100% rejected by the system. They called me in front of all the teachers. They gave me a, they get in front of with my parents. They made me feel like I was the worst, lowest life that ever walked on the planet. Eventually, my mom was in a state of shock for months because she couldn't get me into a school. No school would accept me. As soon as they got my transfer cards from, from the school that I was in, it mentioned what happened to me, what, I mean, what I'd done, and um, I was shunned. I was shunned by my uncles, my aunts, my grandparents at the time. I was shunned by my best friends. Their parents told them not to hang out with me. I lost friends like this. And I was all on my own, guys. I was left alone. I had to go to a, a tutorial college that I had to pay for, because we never had money, just to finish my trick. And um, let me tell you something. It was the most hectic form of rejection that I had ever experienced, or I think that anyone could basically experience. Because not only was the state telling you you're worthless, and there's no chance for you. But your own family, your own friends, the parents that you looked up to in, in other houses wouldn't even, let, wouldn't even let me come visit my friends. My mom and dad were utterly disappointed because I was head boy. i just come from being the star of everything. Now I'm the disaster. And uh, so I adopted unknowingly a complete dark image of myself that I would carry for the next 15 years. 
into my adult life. And I had this general sense of self that was uh, constantly disqualifying, constantly telling me that I was worthless, that I could never have any of the stuff that anyone else had because I was a dirty, rotten scoundrel, you know? So that thing, I thought, had gone away the day I gave my life to the Lord. I met my beautiful wife, and we had beautiful kids. I was, became a leader in the church. I was singing in uh, praise and worship teams, flying around the world, uh, serving God, reading the Bible, you name it. I was doing everything they told me, but everything I tried in my life, every business, uh, even, even in, in my work, I became a producer at uh, um, Mnet Supersports. I worked in the, on the sports channel. I was the youngest producer in South Africa. What this, what this rejection did to me is it set me off into this performance to try and earn my worth with everyone. So now I was going to get it by getting all these other accomplishments. And I'd always look back to primary school. There you were the boy. You used to open the assemblies and preach. I was preaching even those days. I, was, uh, I would open the assembly. I, I was a leader of leaders. I was this guy who was just this bright, shining star 24-7 those days. And I would always look back to that to try and encourage myself that that's who you are. But that was also based on performance. So this shame had swallowed me up, and it had become my identity. And I didn't know that this record was playing underneath, like Tassa was saying, for 15 years. Now I'm married, I'm serving God, I'm in the church. And my ex phones me one day, <clears throat> and um, Trish says to me, do you know that you seem okay most of the time? Besides the fact that you're a religious freak, okay, because... I would pray 24-7. I would read the Bible 24-7. I was constantly in fear that I wasn't right with God. No matter how many messages I heard, how many things I read, I constantly always lived in this shame. And this identity would cut me off from God, cut me off from grace because I'd try and earn it. It would cut me off from connecting with people around me. It was, it was hell on earth, guys. I was in absolute darkness. And I was trying my best. And I was getting a little bit of achievement over here, and then it would fail. Then I'd get a little bit over there, taste this, and then it would fail. And I'd realize something's wrong. Something's wrong. Everything I'm putting my hand to is supposed to turn to gold, but it's, it's always going sour. What is it? I know I have the intellect to do this. I know I have the ability to do this. I mean, I, I won awards for, for the best uh, director, best producer when I was in television. But... Everything I tried out of that would just keep going wrong. You know, I think my wife wanted to throttle me, leave me, kill me, shoot me in my sleep a couple of times. I don't know. Because I would drive them nuts. I was so religious. And I was in such performance, trying the whole time. And I didn't even know, guys, what was plaguing my life. I was doing everything the pastors were telling me. But I, nothing was changing. I was self-sabotaging myself all the time. Until one day, the Holy Spirit opened Trisha's eyes. And what happened was, I was in such a good mood. I was watching some football. Everything was going well. But you remember now, you can be in a good mood, but your general sense of self is down here. 
So you can be conscious of, hey, Chelsea's beating Manchester United 3-0. This is awesome. <laughs> you can be conscious of that. But deep down inside, you're still carrying this, this feeling of you don't deserve anything. When this game is over, you've got to get back to that reality, buddy. And there would be times where you, I would just sit and try and be alone with the Lord and all this stuff would just well up, you know? And it would bring fear and it would bring this, this, this self-loathing over, my, uh, over me. And I didn't know how to get rid of this thing. And, uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't conscious of it. But I, I remember the feelings. I remember the state that I lived in. Are you with me? And my ex phones me. And I just had a cool time. And she phones me. And every time she phoned me, it was a fight. It was a complaint because of my son, JC, who's almost 30 years old now. Um, but anyway, Chish uh, noticed something. And she came to me and she said, every time you get off the phone with, that, with this woman, for the next three or four days, you're depressed. You, you're down. You have no vision for yourself. You, you can't even get up and go to gym and enjoy gym or do sport or whatever. You just walk around with your shoulders bent over, your head down, and you look defeated and you can't even relate to us. You're miserable. You're a miserable sh She would say it as it is. That's why I love her. She's real. You stink <laughs> of misery. And uh, I didn't even know this. I still thought, hey, this is me, man. Look, everybody loves me. Everybody likes me around them. You know, this is Didi. <laughs> but anyway, she says, you need to deal with this thing because every time you speak to this woman and you go down this road with her, for the next two weeks, we can't be a family. And I'm like, what? And I broke down crying. I went, to, I went to, into prayer with the Lord and I was like, Holy Spirit, what's going on here? I actually, I actually recognize it for the first time now that she brought it out. And um, the Holy Spirit took me back to all those feelings the day I was told that I had to leave the school. They basically watched me walk out like, there goes that loser. It took me to all those feelings of self, of that rejection, of me phoning my friends, hey, can we hang out? No, I'm not allowed to hang out with you. He took me to all those things, and he showed me that that record has been playing in my heart for the last 17 years. I was 30-something years old, and I came to the reality that I'm living in shame. My own self-identity was shame. It wasn't Jesus. It wasn't success. Are you with me? So Jesus took me on a journey. And he took me on a journey of those states, entering those states that Tasso was talking about. See, because you enter into that state. And this is what we call practicing his presence. Yeah. You know? So what happened was it was hard. I had, to, I had to exchange the shame for his glory, his perspective of me. And I had to labor. I had to labor in my mind, guys. I had to, I had to say to myself, you know, that's why you do this and that. It's because it goes right back to that feeling over there. Yeah. And I had to, it was a bit of work, but the labor was to enter into those states. And the more I entered into those states, the more I was in a state, the more it was adjusting the general feeling. So you must understand, there's a difference between being 
in an emotional state and having a feeling about something. Feelings are way deeper than states. You will enter in and out of emotional states. But the general feeling of who you are is how you carry your identity. And what happened was, I would go in and out of those states more often, more often, more often. And eventually, I labored and now I was able to rest. Because my general sense of self had changed. Now, when I would wake up in the morning, go do something or try something, spend time with the Lord, there was no shame. I knew who I was in Christ. But it was a labor to enter in. Amen? Does it make sense what I'm saying to you guys? It's a very personal thing, but it was a process. It's a process. You can't go to Benny Hinn's meeting, he prays for you now, and boom, everything's gone. That's a state. Hello? We can't live, if you want this thing that God has for you, if you really want to walk in it, sleep in it, wake up in it, go to bed in it, um, have it in your marriage, have it in, while you're driving in the car, have this abundant life that Jesus has for you, you can't, it can't be moment-to-moment stuff. It's who I am, how I feel about myself in Him all day long. Amen? We don't want to stay there. If we just settle for some intellectual stuff, I've parrot learned some scriptures. Yeah, that's great, man. But what is it doing for you? Has it changed your general sense of self? Has it changed you from that mindset of poverty that you're carrying to the riches of Christ in His glory? Amen? Amen? And you know what? I wasn't going on a witch hunt. I was just looking for Jesus and his promises. Somebody on the outside who knew me was able to tell me and bring, make it aware, make me aware of it. And I went on the journey. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will bring it to you. Sometimes a pastor can bring it up because they can see what's in your life. Don't be scared. Don't be worried. He says, as you behold Christ in a mirror, you shall be transformed into his image. Amen? That's it. We've got to exchange images here, guys. What is the the old image that you had of yourself that was destroying you for the new image that Christ says you are? I know it sounds so simple, and it is, but there is a little bit of labor. Amen? That has to take place. No, no, it's not works, guys, at all. You can't earn it. You, can't do, you, you don't deserve it. Somebody came and gave it to you for free, but the labor is you now reaching out through all those emotions and all those beliefs and taking what is this free gift. Yeah. Are you with me? It's not a case of, yes, if I go to Bible school for two years or if I go and feed the poor or whatever it is. It's not that. All those things should be a response to you entering into the rest. How many of you are carrying certain things in your lives today? Could be connected to your parents, could be connected to your past, could be connected to losses, could be connected to, you know, loss of businesses, marriages, and you have adopted that shame. 
or you've adopted that feeling of yourself that you're a loser and you deserve nothing more. You must understand, if you don't stop that thing from playing, you're just going to jump, not from states of being in God, but you're going to jump from uh, stimulations in, in, your, in your intellect and in your self, and it'll be, I've got to jump to this job, maybe it'll sort it out. Uh, I've got to jump to this, this uh, relationship, maybe this is the one. I've got to jump to this church, maybe they will pray for me and everything will change. I've got to jump to this scenario, that's, are you with me? It's not going to change until you do the responsible work that you need to do in your own heart. I can't do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. Only you can do it. Amen? Only you can do it. Do you want to enter into that life? Will you trust us? We'll take you there. That's why God's put us here. We're not here just because we went to Bible school. We're here because we've worked this stuff in our lives. I've seen the fruit of it in my family. I've seen the fruit of it in my life. Seeing the fruit of it in the ministry. Anyone want to ask a question? I know it's a very sad story, but it ended in victory. Amen. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. Because this uh, also, you know, was mentioned yesterday in that whole tussle. Tussle, not tussle, all right? <laughs> um, why can't God do it for us? So I don't know if you want to, you know, because like, a lot of people think like that because, you know, the thing is, is like when you get confronted with these things, it's like, this is so overwhelming. This is so hard. And then your next step from there is it's not fair that I have to deal with this. You know, it's like, I know I did it, but it's not fair. Why? You know, why I got to carry something so heavy? Why, you know, why is this in my heart? You know, like, could it, can God just not change it? You know, can he? You know, because is anyone thinking that? You don't have to be like, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. All right, you know, because this is typically the questions that we get met with. Yeah. It's like, why do I go to labor? I don't understand. God is almighty. God is all powerful. Can he just not do it? Creating me a new heart, oh God. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a story that uh, I think Ed Elliott, well, I heard it from him, maybe from someone else. I'm not sure. Um, about a seagull that used to fly. And uh, one, of the, one of the guys decided to walk on the beach and the seagull comes and drops a big dump. <laughs> on him. On him, yeah. Now, I don't know, seagull, <laughs> the seagulls, <laughs> they stink. <laughs> it's one of the worst things you can get. So... He, he's got this stuff on him, and he sits there and he says, you know what, Flip, I didn't do this. The seagull did it. The seagull must come and wipe it off. Because he did it, or she did it, I don't know, whatever it was. Probably a sheep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he carries that, gets hard, it stings. Wins goes home, sees his wife. The wife doesn't want to know him. <laughs> Go wash it off. No, I didn't do it. Why should I wash it off? Hey? Goes to work. <laughs> Basically, 
whatever, whatever he had on him, is, it was the stink that was creating for people not to be able to have relationships, not to be able to, you know, not to function properly. And that was because it was not his fault. Do you know how many of us are in that we do exactly the same thing? Even for the things that are our fault. Yes. <laughs> but always remember, and we, we, we always come back to this, and they ask these questions because the church had taught them that God, who is sovereign, is in control of everything. That is the biggest lie. Lie. I want everybody to hear. It's a lie. God is, is in control. It's a lie. Okay. Because when God created man, he was in control for the first five days. On the sixth day, when he created man, he gave dominion, authority to man. And man takes decisions. Okay. So if man takes a decision, he decides which direction that he wants to go. If he chooses to go towards fulfilling his own personal selfish ambitions because he's so self-absorbed, he's so egocentric, okay, and he thinks he can rule the world apart from God, well, guess what? This universe is so intricate, so complex, the way God had created that we need God's wisdom to function here. We need to be connected to him the way Avatar is connected to. Remember, who's seen Avatar? That was quite good. They've got their little tail, and if they want to go and get some uh, yeah, history or something, they go and they connect, and suddenly they begin to see things. Well, he didn't want that. Adam didn't want that. Today, we don't want that. We want to live our lives the way we want to. The problem is it wasn't designed that way. And the way God has created us is we make the choices. We decide to accept the devil's wisdom, which is living for self, or to accept God's wisdom, which is to connect with him, because he's the source of life and to be able to bring life and peace here. Now, because of that, and God has given authority over to man, Man, I mean, God will never override your will. You have to decide if you're going to harmonize or you're going to align with him and produce his life or you're going to align with your own selfishness and you're going to produce death. This is why God cannot, will not override your will because he is not in control. Can we, can we take some questions, guys, before we close the service? Is that cool? You guys okay? When, when we... Uh, our, pa our parents uh, in the 60s and 70s, those of us are over 50, our parents never showed love. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, those of us are below them. <laughs> Um, our parents never showed love, never showed trust. Um, and as you grow older, you, you tend to, what your, your parents taught you, you teach your kids. 
how do you break that uh, the, uh, that cycle? Uh, um, uh, you know, yeah, but and and grow trust within yourself to 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 be able to show your kids that what you've taught them is actually wrong. Yeah, very good question. Remember, the first thing that we need to do is, like Bash, we all say that, obviously, but it's, 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 it's so important to do that, is to find out the character of God. Because what we usually do is the way our parents have brought, it us, brought us up, <clears throat> especially the father, we take that image, even after we get born again, and we project it onto the word and we project that to God. And we start interpreting God based on our own personal experiences. So what we need to do, <clears throat> excuse me, is to go to the Word and find out who God is. And the way you do that is you find out God based on His names. Because His names represent His nature, His character, and His will. So as I get to know that, and I begin to have a relationship with it, and I know that he is my father, then I begin to change based on who he is, okay? That he's good, that he's righteous, he's just, he's always merciful and kind towards me. You know, whenever I ask for bread, he doesn't give me rocks. Whenever I ask for fish, eh, he doesn't give me snakes, Okay? So it's the same type of things. You first start developing that relationship with the names of God would describe his character, his character traits, who he is. And as I do that and I begin to experience him, I begin to change. And then when I read his word, I read his word. And whenever I see things that seem a little bit unkind or they seem a little bit from God, they, that, that seem a little bit um, out of character, I know that he does it because he's, he's a God of love and he's there to protect me. He's there to protect every single person. So this is what I need to do. Have a relationship with the names of God and then I base it obviously afterwards in the finished work of Jesus. And that will obviously, we've spoken about it a lot. And, um, and once I do that, I change and the way I feel, I begin to treat my kids, I begin to treat my spouse, I begin to treat the people around me. So, and that's the commandment that God has given us, to love others and to love God. But I can't love myself if I don't know who God is because I get my image from him. So as I begin to get to know him, I get to know myself. And to the degree that I experience God in me, I experience his love. That's how much I love myself. And to that degree, I'm able to love others. And remember, the word love means value. You know, when you were reading 1 Corinthians 13, love means how is this that I'm doing going to benefit the other person? Not just, oh, it's love for me. No, 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 no. How is it going to benefit the person? Is it going to bring peace into their heart? Are they going to experience your mercy and your kindness? That's, that's what defines love. Not me, how I experience, no, no, my wife, my husband, my kids, my friends, okay? What are the benefits they're going to have when I act this way? 
I don't know if that answers your questions. I'm not sure. Process the answer. Yeah, yeah, you got to chew on it. <laughs> but, but even in that, guys, when it's people that are very close to us, like you're saying, you know, there's, okay, that relationship, parents, or even siblings, you know, um, romantic relationships, whatever. You know, the, the hard part about it is, is actually understanding that they were doing the best they knew. You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and to, to be upset or demand perfection from imperfect people, you, you understand what I'm saying, becomes something that could actually hold you in life, you know? And you could, so, so in, in, in tandem with what Tasso's explaining about now, we're connecting to a perfect father, the perfect parent, you know? What happens in, in that process is that now we start having, we're experiencing that love and we start having mercy towards that. Are, are you with me? To whatever we were holding on to. Because the truth is, 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 listen, man, parents love their kids unconditionally. They will die for their kids, you know? And they always do the best they know. Are you with me, right? And, and the best that they know can't be held against them. You with me? Because now we're connecting with a perfect father. Now in all that love and that grace and that forgiveness and that mercy, that provision, everything that we're experiencing now, we can give in the same way, like Tasso was saying, to their benefit. But it is that tandem process of saying, okay, it wasn't a personal against me. Yeah. It wasn't... You know, I'm not judging them. They could have done better or anything like that. Release it. Say, Lord, I know it is like that, but now I'm not stuck. I'm going to connect with you. I didn't want to share, but the Holy Spirit keeps prompting me, so I think it might be for some people here. Um, I have a similar um, background as Pastor Didi, the way he, he described it, but... <laughs> Not, not that part. <laughs> the performance part. <laughs> no, but I actually grew up in an orphanage and I grew up feeling rejected. I was actually stolen from my mom. My mom and my uh, dad were separated and my dad came and stole me from my, from my mom's house. I, he just gave us to my aunt and eventually she's fed up and she drove all the way to Poch and put us in an orphanage where I stayed from four to 12 years old. I stayed in an orphanage. So the promises that he made to come and visit never happened. So every day I lived with rejection and it was a very hard thing to deal with because now you look at, at Jesus and you feel like he's gonna reject you when you come closer. You try to be in relationships and you end up rejecting people because you're scared of them rejecting you first. So eventually I um, fell in love with Jesus and he had to come in a dream to, ex uh, to show me my acceptance and the love that he has for me even though I went through all this stuff. So it, from there on, I became a lot better in accepting his acceptance. But just last year, I dealt with something. Coming to band, I sing a little bit loud now and then. <laughs> Adelie just mentioned, just pull your mic away. So I felt immediately that rejection coming up. Burst out in tears, 
wanted to run out and pass the deal. He's like, whoa, 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 what's happening? <laughs> so he, he just had to, told me, uh, had to tell me, the Holy Spirit is going to show you this is not, this, this thing that's happening, it's not the actual thing that you are struggling with. So I'm, I went home, I'm like, you know, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> just um, I, a few of you would know that I actually worked for the church and then I was offended by the truth and I left. And then I felt I rejected the church and now I'm feeling rejected. I know the Lord called me to, to preach gospel and to be in the kingdom. But now I, I, I come back, no one is showing me any rejection whatsoever. But in my heart, I'm still feeling that rejection. So any small thing that anyone does, I'm like, no, they're rejecting me. No, they're rejecting me. So... So this thing was so, so deep that what actually set me free was, and I know the process, and I also told Tasso once, uh, uh, dealing with anxiety, I'm like, I know I'm, I'm healed, I know this stuff, but it's not, it's not um, what do you call, manifesting in my life. Why, why do I know this stuff? And I literally go through all the promises, and I know this stuff. And Pastor Didi hit me with a five on my head when he said, you have to, you know this stuff. You know that people are accepting, uh, accepting you and you are valued in the church. But you have to believe and sense it for yourself. So I had to go and do this labor in, in how to sense this acceptance and really truly get it and believe it in my heart, because I, I knew it intellectually, but never believed that. And I believe you, it's a destructive pattern when you think everyone is rejecting you because you never have relationships. But when you actually just sit and deal with this and sense the love and, the, uh, and believe what Jesus say, then you will change, because now there's no more of that um, rejection that I'm dealing with. That's for sure. Best just said, welcome to Real Church. This is Real Church, guys. Amen? Are you guys getting something? God is good, eh? So one thing you should have got out of all of this today is that there's hope for you. Yeah. <laughs> you should have got that. If you heard all our bad stories, I'm sure half of you haven't gone through... Um, half of that nonsense, your problem is not as bad as you think it is. Amen? You know, how, you know how freeing that is sometimes? If you're ever really having a bad day, just go and spend some time with the hobo on the street. You quickly put your problems into perspective. <laughs> Amen? Awesome. I think that's enough for today. We are uh, way over. We are how many? A half an hour over. But you guys look good. Is it okay? Is it okay? Praise God. Praise God. I'm so proud of you guys. The Word, you're putting priority on the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Give yourselves a round of applause.